Praise the Lord. This is Dr. Ruth again. I just want to take this moment to thank all of you who have blessed us with a financial donation to help us produce these programs. And I want to thank all of you who have become Christ-centered partners with us. And for those of you who are considering becoming a partner, I want to thank you in advance uh, for just considering our ministry to be a part of this. So I just want to say, if you have not yet uh, blessed us with a financial donation, I just ask you to consider doing so by faith and just to obey the prompting of the Holy Spirit to bless us so we can produce more of these shows. It is our heart's desire, which is also God's desire to make this teaching available to many, many more people. But it costs money to do so. So we are trusting God that you will obey and bless us back with whatever amount the Lord puts in your heart. So again, we thank you in advance for your love give donation into God's work so we can reach many, many more people. And may God bless you and keep you. And I pray in the name of Jesus that whatever you give back into this ministry, God will multiply that and bless you back abundantly, exceedingly until it overflows. In Jesus' name, Amen. Welcome back today. Here is Dr. Ruth with today's teaching. Okay, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I am Dr. Ruth. I am glad you are listening to me today to learn the Word of God as we all grow as God's children. We are continuing here with the book of Deuteronomy. So if you have your Bibles and you are home, relax, open your Bibles, grab a cup of tea and take your notepad and be ready to learn. Or if you are driving, you can just listen along. Okay, so let us begin here with Deuteronomy chapter 19. If you recall, Moses is continuing to expand or expound or explain further the loss of God to the second generation Israelites because he is about to die and the second generation Israelites are about to get into the promised land and possess the land. So Moses is reiterating the laws. It is like his final lecture to the second generation. Okay, so we come to chapter 19 here. The gist of this chapter is that Moses would further remind the second generation Israelites about the cities of refuge. Remember, we talked about this in the book of Numbers, chapter 35, verses 6 through 34. We talked about the cities of refuge. Also, even here in the book of Deuteronomy, in chapter 4, we talked about the cities of refuge. So let us take a closer look at some verses here because we discussed this already in the past. I begin with verse 1, Deuteronomy chapter 19. When the Lord your God has destroyed the nations whose land he is giving you, and when you have driven them out and settled in their towns and houses, verse 2, 
Then set aside for yourselves three cities in the land the Lord your God is giving you to possess. Three cities, and Moses would later tell us when we get into uh, verse 9 in this same chapter 19, how they should set aside three other cities, making it a total of six cities, just like we discussed in the previous books. I just wanted to clarify that there. Okay, we come to verse 3. Determine the distance involved and divide into three parts the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. Essentially, these cities were to be quite a distance from one another. I've, I've read some Bible uh, scholars and archaeologists uh, comment that the distance was to be an approximate a day's journey. Okay, remember back then, these people walk by foot. So it would take about a day walking to leave one city to get to the other. And this is a good protective way. That way the Avenger boy would have to <laughs> walk a long distance if they were going to look for somebody in the city of refuge to kill. So there was a great distance between them. That was also protective. Okay, let's come down to uh, verse 4 there. This is the rule concerning anyone who kills a person and flees there safely. We talked about this before, that the cities of refuge was meant for those who commit unintentional murder. Remember? Those who kill someone by accident with no malice, no uh, premeditation, these cities of refuge was there to protect them from the avenger because a family person uh, would or might come and want to go kill the person who had killed his or her relative. So these cities of refuge were cities where the person who committed this murder unintentionally was supposed to get there as a hiding place where they would be protected until that high priest is no longer the priest. We talked about all of that in the book of Numbers, so you can go back and re-listen. And I even made a comparison how the cities of refuge, in comparison to us today, it's a type of protection we get from Christ. When we are in trouble, we run to the Lord who will protect us and fight our battles for us. Remember all that? I hope you do. So now we come to verse 5 because the Lord is going to give specific example for the type of cases that are considered unintentional murder. Let's take a look at this. I like this. For instance, okay, I am in verse 5. A man may go into the forest with his neighbor to cut wood, and as he swings his axe to fall a tree, the head may fly off and hit his neighbor and kill him. That man may flee to one of these cities and save his life. Right there. Purely unintentional murder. And this is still applicable today. 
I live in the U.S., this would still be considered unintentional in the judiciary system here in the U.S. If you kill someone by accident with no malice, with no premeditation, the judiciary system would not put you to death. The judiciary system would not give you a life sentence, imprisonment, because it was unintentional. So we see a similar thing here that the Lord is uh, imposing for the Israelites to live by. In verse 6, otherwise the avenger of blood might pursue him in a rage, overtake him if the distance is too great and killed. That's just what I was saying, that the avenger or a family member of the person killed may go and want to kill the person who killed their relative unintentionally. So these cities had to be some distance apart. And again, the cities of refuge was to protect the innocent person from the avenger. And the Lord uh, went on towards the end there of this uh, uh, seven to explain how they have to set aside the cities and earlier uh, he went on to explain how the cities are not meant for those who commit murder with a malicious thought or premeditated murder just like i had explained you can go back and read those verses we come to verse 8 Moses went on to tell them that if you obey the Lord and if the Lord uh, blesses you with more land, then they may set aside three other cities as cities of refuge, just like what I explained at the beginning of chapter 19. Let's take a look at this. This is verse 8. If the Lord your God enlarges your territory as he promised on oath to your ancestors and gives you the whole land he promised them. Again, we see God's blessing or blessings is solely dependent on their obedience. Verse 9. Because you carefully follow all these laws I commanded you today to love the Lord your God and to walk always in obedience. Then you are to set aside three more cities, just like I had talked about, making it a total of six cities of refuge as a way to protect people who kill unintentionally. Verse 11, all the way to verse 12, just talks about how if a person kills intentionally with premeditation, they are to be killed as well. That is what those verses are saying. Again, just reminding them that a murderer does not belong in the cities of refuge. They should be killed. Verse 14, do not move your neighbor's boundary stone set up by your uh, predecessors in the inheritance you receive in the land for the Lord your God is giving you to possess. This is so powerful. It may sound a cake. It is so relevant today. Really, the principle here is that when they get into the promised land, when boundaries have been set, they should not remove the boundaries and, and trying to get their neighbor's land. These things happen all the time in, in areas like in Africa, even here in the United States among farmers. There are boundaries that, that divide the land that uh, person A, this is a boundary here. Person B, that's the boundary there. Person A cannot shift the boundary 
towards the land of person B so they can possess more land. That would be considered thievery, dishonesty. That would not please the Lord. That is what verse 14 is saying. Essentially, do not steal your neighbor's property. That's really what it is. And it is still applicable to death. We come to verse 15. Verses 15 all the way to the end of this chapter is really interesting how the Lord is going to set precedence for people who want to come forward and serve as a witness against somebody who is deserving of death. <laughs> Again, teaching these people that if you are going to serve as a witness and accuse somebody falsely, the punishment that you want the person to endure, you yourself would, would receive that punishment. Does that make sense? Say, for example, if you come forward as a witness to a murder and you know that the, the judgment is that that person is, is going to be put to death, if you as the witness, you are found to be dishonest or if you are lying, Okay, as a witness, they're going to kill you because that is the punishment that you wanted the person to get. Okay, this is really important. We have to be careful the way we accuse people. We have to have true evidence and be true witnesses to a crime because many people today have been sentenced to death based on false testimony. This principle still applicable. Let's take a closer look at some of these verses. Verse 15. One witness is not enough to convict anyone accused of any crime or offense. So true. It's just not enough because a witness could lie. Boy, God is so awesome. Protecting us. Even protect, protecting the accused. A matter must be established by the testimony of two to three witnesses. I have said this over and over. This is how God does his thing. God wants a couple of witnesses to come forward before somebody is accused so they can corroborate the story. And I discussed earlier how even today, God will not judge the unbelievers based on one witness. I talked about how people have the witness of nature meaning God's creation and their conscience. That is stated throughout the scriptures, specifically in the book of Romans chapter 1 in the New Testament. People have nature, their consciences. Okay? Second witness, the testimony of our beloved Jesus Christ, his ministry, death, and resurrection. That is the second testimony and that gospel message, that good news that we are proclaiming to the world. The third witness that we have, the Holy Spirit that is in the world, convicting the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment, convicting unbelievers to repent. Those are the three witnesses that the Lord would use to evaluate people who die. Unbelievers I'm talking about now. When unbelievers die, when they face God on the judgment day, God will use those three witnesses against them. If they claim that they never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, okay, God is fair, God is just, God knows their heart. God would evaluate them based on their conscience and nature. By nature here, 
I mean God's creation. Okay, so people cannot get away from, from saying that there is no God. Oh my goodness. Okay, I better move on here. So we see how the Lord went on to say, we are now in verse 16. If a malicious witness takes the stand to accuse someone of a crime, the two people involved in the dispute must stand in the presence of the priest and the judge. And the um, judges must carry out a thorough investigation. And if the witness proves to be a liar, giving false testimony against a fellow Israelite, verse 19, then do to the false witness as that witness intended to do to the other party. You must purge the evil from anyone. I like this. That's just what I explained. I don't need to explain this further. You get this, right? False witnesses who want others to, to be punished, they themselves will be punished with the same punishment that they were wishing upon the person they gave a false witness against. Boy, <laughs> that would really scare people from accusing people falsely. This is great. Okay, because there are people who are just wicked, malicious. They want to just get up and lie about people and, and just really punish people for nothing. So bad. Please, if you do that, stop. Don't just judge people, give false witness without taking the time to investigate or to evaluate. Okay. Verse 20, the rest of the people will hear of this and be afraid uh, verse 21, show no pity, life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. <laughs> Boy, <laughs> you know, this verse 21 here may sound very bad, but honestly, this was good. Because what this verse 21 is saying that every punishment carries equal consequences. Okay? Or every consequence carries equal punishment. You could say the other way around. If you kill somebody, you're going to be killed. So, and this also was good because that way the judges and the priests did not impose harsher punishment on crimes that did not deserve the harsh punishment. For example, if somebody steals, the priest would not kill them. Okay, so that is why this life for life, eye for eye was very important and it was fair. It was just fairness. But as we know, Jesus has fulfilled all of this. Today, the Lord Jesus teaches us that if our enemy is hungry, we should feed them. If our enemy is thirsty, we should give them something to drink and we should trust God as our avenger. So we are not to treat people life for life, eye for eye. We are not to judge people. We are not to kill people. We are supposed to allow God to deal with them and pray for our enemies and show compassion and love for our enemies because Jesus Christ, our role model, did that. Everyone deserves a chance in God's eyes. And God will give them a chance to the extent that they are open to change. So I just needed to highlight that this has been fulfilled in Christ. So we are, are commanded to walk in love and trust God to do the avenging for us. As you have been blessed, can you bless us back with a financial donation so we can produce more teachings and bless others in return? 
This program is solely sponsored by the financial donations from friends and listeners like you. We need your financial support in order to reach more people with Dr. Ruth's simple but profound life-changing messages. To make a one-time donation, visit our website, drruthtanyi.org. That's D-R-R-U-T-H-T-A-N-Y-I dot O-R-G. Look for the donation button and donate right there. It is a very secure, simple, and easy process. Or, for more of an impact, would you prayerfully consider becoming a Christ-centered monthly partner with us? While on our website, you will find all of the information about becoming a Christ-centered partner. As a monthly partner, your regular prayers and financial support will enable us to produce more Bible teachings in order to reach more people and transform their lives with God's Word. For those of you who prefer regular mail, you can send your donation to us. Here's the address. Dr. Ruth Tanyi Ministries, P.O. Box 1806, Loma Linda, California, 92354. You can also email us with your questions about becoming a partner. Here's the email address. Info at drruthtanyi.org. That's I-N-F-O at D-R-R-U-T-H T-A-N-Y-I dot O-R-G Or you can always call us at 909-383-7978 Dr. Ruth Tanya Ministries is a federal government approved 501c corporation which means that all your donations are 100% tax deductible as allowed by the law. We thank you in advance for your kind donation and prayers. We pray for God's love and presence to anchor your soul today in Christ Jesus. I am Chris Oram. Stay blessed and goodbye for now.